This message is from Grace Church, located in Frisco, a suburb of Dallas-Fort Worth. The Grace Church website is gracechurchfrisco.org. Craig Cabanis, the lead pastor, is the speaker for this message. Today I want to talk about the blessed life. And as I was thinking, the term uh, bless or blessing or blessed, I think it's one of the most frequently used terms um, without any regard to its meaning. I mean, this is, if you think of a biblical term, except for people flippantly taking God's name in vain, but at least they would know who God is or know who Jesus is to some degree. But aside from that, I think this word is probably tossed about flippantly, both within and outside the church, uh, without any context, without any awareness of its meaning. So if someone sneezes and we say, God bless you, that no one is thinking ever that I'm aware of, unless maybe you're just far more intentional and godly than I, but never is really thinking about the sovereign Lord of the universe conveying some, some sense of well-being and shalom upon the soul of the person who just sneezed. It's just a mindless thing to say. Or even the phrase, you know, bless you. Uh, hey, we're going go go, to go on a trip Uh, well, hey, God bless you as you guys are gone. I'm starting a new job. Hey, God bless you in your new job. Oftentimes, all that means is I hope it goes well. Uh, It's almost like a biblical version of good luck. Um, Hey, you know, uh, I'm starting back to school. Well, bless you, you know, good luck on that. It's just kind of oftentimes Christianese. Now, again, maybe some people really think about what they're saying, but oftentimes we just toss it out. It, it, even, it even can be a condescending sort of critique. Bless your heart is a, it's a statement of pity. It's a statement, it's a condescending statement of pity. Bless her heart. Did you see what she was wearing? <laughs> that outfit made her look 20 years older and 20 pounds heavier. Bless her heart. And it's a condescending criticism. We're not really wanting her soul to experience the blessing of God. We're critiquing her. Bless her heart. My favorite by far, though, is hashtag blessed. That is the best one. In social media, you put, if, if you don't do perhaps social media, the hashtag is the pound sign. And you just use it to refer to things. So someone will Instagram a picture of a bacon cheeseburger and put hashtag blessed. And I'm, I'm sure that is a blessing. God provided it. We're thankful for it, that, that cheeseburger. But we're probably not really in that moment. Hashtag blessed doesn't have real uh, connection to God personally and his provision for us in the work of Jesus Christ. It's usually just something, and sometimes it's used ironically, you know, got pulled over and got a speeding ticket, hashtag blessed. So it's, it's ironic or it's something that is a joke about how I'm experiencing the good life or something like that. Well, the reason I'm talking about all this is because as I thought about today and prepared for today, I just thought of the word blessing and just thought about us as a church and thought if this day is about anything for us as a church, and if you're a guest, we're having a family moment last Sunday, and we had a family meeting Wednesday and a family moment today, and then we'll be back in Genesis next week for our regular teaching. But when I think about today and all it represents, I just think we are blessed. 
bless our hearts in the serious sense of the word. We are blessed. And, and as we walk out there today on that land that was given to us in the location that it is, and as we turn a shovel symbolically to represent uh, construction is commencing and the project is underway. It's already been underway. The roads have been put in, but it's the next phase of the process is going. It is with a great awareness that we are a blessed people. But I thought about what does it really mean to be blessed and what is a blessing and what does it, the verb bless mean? And it led me to numbers. And we've had two sermons on numbers in this church, one last week and one when Ian Duguid preached one years ago. So this is the third sermon on numbers that, I'm, that I remember, better say that, uh, from this pulpit. But today I want to look at this blessing. This is the best known passage probably. Uh, in the book of Numbers, and it is the blessing that Aaron was to speak upon the people. So I'm in chapter 6 of Numbers, verse 22. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. And be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Let's pray. God, we have various understandings of even what it means to be blessed in the, in the sense of how that word is used in your Bible. Uh, we have a sense that we are blessed. We have a sense that today is a day of blessing. We have a sense that you have been good to us, but we, we pray today that our awareness would grow, that you would speak to us in a clear way, Lord, that you would develop our understanding of what it means to be blessed, and that most of all, you would show us Jesus Christ as the one in whom we find all our blessings today. Lord, and as we look at this word, we pray that this would set us up and this would speak to us uh, in a way that is in a few moments we travel over to the square. We pray that, Lord, this would set us up for experiencing that moment as a moment of your blessing. Speak to us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to say three things about blessing. First of all, what this passage teaches us is the source of blessing. Uh, Secondly, what is the nature of blessing? What is it about? What does it mean? And lastly, receiving blessing, or how do you receive blessing? The source of blessing is the Lord. If this blessing says anything, it says blessings from God. Three times it mentions, the Lord bless you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance. So in the in the speech, it's kind of poetic verse, in the, in the, in the actual blessing that Aaron's supposed to speak to the people, uh, he mentions the Lord as the subject of the blessing or the, face, the shining face or whatever, mentions the Lord three times, and then at the conclusion, he, uh, he says, so I shall put up my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. So unless there's, in, in case there's any confusion about where blessing comes from, it comes from the Lord, I will bless them. <clears throat> now, why is this so important that the Lord would emphasize Aaron, go bless the people, and three times, make sure they know that I am the one that blesses. Why is that important? 
Here's why. If you read the Old Testament, you will see the big problem with Israel is that they're looking for blessing in other sources. That's the problem. He's addressing, they are about, they've been brought out of Egypt, they've been given the law, they've been gathered for a census and counted together, and they're about to launch out on the adventure of taking the promised land. At least that's what they're supposed to be doing of taking their inheritance, receiving their inheritance, the promised land. They're about to go to war. That's what they're supposed to be doing anyway. And it's important that at this point, they know where their blessing comes from. Hey, here's the reality. Only a few months back, and we get a date in numbers. We know it's just months. A period of months prior to this, they have been delivered out of Egypt. Moses has gone up on Mount Sinai. He's a little delayed and the people start worshiping a golden calf and say, these are our gods. I mean, it's months ago that God is, God is looking down on his people, worshiping a statue. He's about to take them into the promised land and they're looking for blessing through something, the strength of this calf. That's why it's important. If you read a little further in the Old Testament, what you'll find out is that when the people want to be blessed, when, when they want fertile land and fertile crops and they want human fertility, they want to be able to have children, they go and worship the Baals and participate in vile uh, sexual worship with pagans and pagan, towards pagan gods to get pregnant and have crops. When you read the story of Israel, what you find out is they don't believe that the Lord keeps us. The Lord bless you and keep you. At times, they go to other nations and ask for other countries, other nations, to protect them when war comes. See, see, the reason this is so important before they take out on their journey is because they've already, and they will be continued to look for blessed, continue to look for blessing in other sources besides the Lord. So we look at this and go, oh, I've heard that. I think I was used to be at a, a, a church that every Sunday at the end, they said, the Lord bless you and keep you, which is a great thing. Uh, the Lord make his face shine upon you. They used to do that as the benediction. I've heard that. But, but it's something critical. Because they, the, the tendency is for God's people to look for blessing in other places. And you know what? That's my tendency and your tendency as well. We need to be reminded today. This was likely sh- communicated daily with daily sacrifices to people. We need to be reminded daily that the Lord is the one who blesses us. The Lord is the one who keeps us. It is the Lord's face shining upon us that we need and desire most of all. This week we... Uh, met as uh, pastors. We, we were taking some extended time to do some planning and thinking, and I, I led the team in a little mission exercise where we tried to, uh, we tried to put on our missionary hat a little bit and, and tried to look at our own area where we are and think about what are the hopes and dreams and desires of people in our city and in our area, and how does the gospel speak to those. And so what we did to do this is we watched a number of videos that were promotional videos about our city and were inviting people to our city. And when you invite someone somewhere and when you sort of put your best face forward in what you have to offer, it, it speaks of what benefits and what blessings are to be found in an area. And so we were able to celebrate so many of the benefits of living in this area and the coming benefits uh, as this area is just uh, exploding with growth. So I'm very, very grateful. But by the same token, you could see there was a hope 
for blessing by just being in the right location. There's an invitation, come here and your kids will get a good education and have a good life because we, uh, and I'm grateful for the great schools that we have here. Come here and you will be safety. You'll be safe because we have a low crime rate. I'm thankful for that too. Come here and you will be among families, family life, young families, people like you all around. Come here where there is business growth and opportunity and success. And so many of us landed in a place like this for those reasons. There's nothing wrong with anything I just said. Uh, They are wonderful things. But if I'm looking to receive certain things by where I am, that getting in the right place among the right people brings the blessings of God, that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says the Lord is the one who blesses us. We, we don't find the blessings of the good life because of our location. We don't find the blessings of the good life by even building a building in Frisco Square. That's not the key to blessing. Now, it may be from the Lord's hand, a gift to us, and we thank him for that, and we don't take that for granted. Absolutely. But it is the Lord that blesses. It is the Lord that keeps we're tending, we tend to think that, you know, when we're single, we tend to think if I could get married and I had a spouse, then I would have the good life. I would be blessed with the good life. And then a lot of married people think if my spouse was different, I would be blessed with the good life. Or worse, if I had a different spouse, I'd be blessed with the good life. Or if my children were, di- if I had children, I'd have the good life. Or if I had better children, I'd have the good life. Or children, if I had better parents who understood me, I would have the good life. I'd be blessed if I had more money. I'd be blessed if I had a better house. I'd be blessed if people around me respected me more. That would really be a blessed life. Blessing comes from the respect of others. If other people liked me, if I was welcomed, if I knew a lot of people viewed me as important in their lives, then that would be a bless. That would be the blessed life. Blessing comes from the welcome of others. If people needed me, blessing comes from being needed by others. If I, if I could be useful, if I could be useful and fruitful and make a difference, then I would be blessed. But blessing is found in one source. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance. Blessing does not come from a golden statue or a bale or money or looks or prestige, or being talented, or wanted, or respected. Blessing is not found in any of those things. The ultimate blessing is not found even in good things. The source of blessing is not even good things. It's not my good health that produces a blessing. It is the Lord that has blessed me with good health, if that's what I'm enjoying today. It is the Lord that is the source of blessing. And understanding this keeps us from looking and rooting our hearts in other people and other things as the be-all, end-all, as the blessing. We thank God for the things he provides, but he is the source. Even the ability to enjoy the things he provides, even the ability to enjoy uh, a fine meal, 
and really be hashtag blessed, really think I'm blessed by this in our heart. Even the ability to enjoy a good meal, even the ability to enjoy a good relationship is the gift of the Lord. So the Lord is our source of blessing, Grace Church, and we want to always keep our eyes there. Secondly, what is the nature of the blessing? Well, it's interesting here because what this passage does is it tells us that the blessing is corporate, it's for everybody, and it's for individuals. Look at verse 23. Speak to Aaron and his son saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. That's corporate, right? That's the whole group. Look at verse 27. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. That's everybody. Now here's what's interesting. The Lord bless you is singular. The Lord bless, keep you, that you is singular. You know how you can have plural. So it would be like saying, it would be like saying, bless, bless all the people of Israel and the Lord and keep, the Lord bless and keep you individually. Both are communicated here. God blesses his people, but, but he does that with each individual. He wants each individual traveler who's launching out on the mission to the promised land. He wants every one of them to know that God blesses them, that God's face shines upon them, and that God keeps them. He wants every individual to see that. They are to say, bless you and keep you. So this talks a little bit about the blessing. Another way to say that is, may God have favor on you and secure you. May God have favor on you and secure you. That would be bless and keep. Or you could say it this way, may the Lord provide and protect. May the Lord provide for you himself primarily, and may the Lord protect you. That's bless and keep. The ultimate blessings that that come from God, the ultimate way that God blesses and keeps is by providing things that can't be bought, by providing things that are clearly from his hand and that are only from his hand. Things like love, things like Children are blessing from the Lord. Things like an abundant harvest for the people hearing this, an abundant harvest, things like a military victory or protection. For us, God provides things that we can never produce as well. As a church, the provision of the Lord is unity. We can never provide that for ourselves. It's only what the Lord provides. Unity, awareness of his presence, love for one another, People converted to Christ. Only God can do that. Only God does that. Growth and godliness in our lives. Those are all things that God does for us, in us, through us, that only he can do. And he keeps us as well. Bless you and keep you. He keeps, that means he protects, he maintains. Only God maintains sound doctrine in a, true, in a church. Only God maintains the gospel as central in a church. Only God protects a church from division. And when we think about even today and, and what this represents for us, we're thinking about God, you, have, you are the blessing and you are the one who has kept us. And we see your blessing in these ways, ways uh, that we never could provide for ourselves. You've done for us what we cannot do for ourselves, starting with saving us. That's, that's what God does. That's the blessing of God. That's where we look in no other source but him alone. God provides opportunity and open doors. 
That's what today is about. Today is a day celebrating God's open door for the gospel in us and through us to our city and to our region. So that's the nature of blessing, what he does. And then he gives two metaphors that are beautiful, beautiful. The first one is, may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. It's a beautiful day today, isn't it? It's a shiny day. You walk outside, it's perfect. It's shiny. Uh, it's, it's glorious. There's a glow about everything outdoors. And here he's saying is that the Lord's face shines. What, what is the shining face of the Lord? He says, may, may the Lord make his face shine upon you. What does that mean? One author said, the shiny face represents supreme pleasure. That's what, it's the glow of a face of enjoyment and of pleasure. Children on Christmas morning, that is a shiny face. That is a face shining with eagerness and joy, receiving and opening gifts and excitement. That is the shining face. Last weekend, I had an opportunity to be at a wedding, and one of the things about a wedding uh, that's always wonderful is to see the face of the two people being married. So to see the the, the doors open up in the back and to see the bride. Uh, I've never seen a non-radiant bride. I've never been to a wedding where that was the case. They, they radiate. Their faces shine. And then to see the groom's face, oftentimes his face is shining more than hers is as she walks in and he's waiting for her to come down the aisle. That, that's the scene. The shining face is favor. It is pleasure. May he make his face shine up on you. Do you know God as the one who looks upon you with supreme pleasure? Do you know that? Have you experienced that kind of grace, that kind of unmerited favor, that kind of love? Ian Duguid, in his commentary on Numbers, writes the following about this phrase, make his face shine upon us. He says, this is the heart of the blessing. Listen, Grace Church, this is the heart of blessing right here. To have the Lord delight in us so much that it is, is, it is, is as if his face shines whenever he sees us. Blessing is your heavenly Father's face beaming as he looks upon us. Can you imagine God delighting in you this way? The Lord commanded the priests to remind the people daily that by his grace, they could know that he delighted in them. Do we know the blessing of that kind of relationship with our heavenly father? He writes, Aaron says to the people, in the desert and regularly as they sacrifice, may God's face shine upon you. May you know the pleasure of his grace. May you know that he delights in you. May you know, as scripture says elsewhere, that he sings over you. May you know that he delights in you, that he treasures you, that he loves you. That's what the blessing announces. It announces God's favor upon us. And look at this. This is so telling. He says next, and may he be gracious to you. May you know the grace of God. May you know the forgiveness of God. Here's what's so important to get in this passage. 
Verse 23, speak to Aaron and his sons and say, you shall bless the people. Aaron is standing up and telling everybody, God's face shines upon you. God delights in you. God wants you to know his grace. Aaron is speaking this as a priest. And a few months earlier, Aaron is with the people, crafting the golden calf, leading the people of God who've just been delivered by Yahweh from bondage, leading the people of God in pagan worship. And not only did he do that, he had a sorry excuse. When Moses comes down from the mountain with righteous anger, what are you doing? Moses has got the Ten Commandments from God, and they're worshiping a calf, a golden calf. And Aaron says this, well, um, <clears throat> well it, it was like the people gave me all their gold earrings and their jewelry, and I threw it in the fire, and out came this calf. That's literally what he says. It, I think it's Exodus 34. I think it's 34. That's literally what he says. I mean, your four-year-old does better than that with an excuse. I just took all the gold and I threw it in there and boom, here was this calf. And I don't know, we just, some people started dancing. There was some music. And then before I knew somebody had their hands up and they were doing that. And we were just kind of worship. It just happened. No, Aaron, you acquiesced to the people and led in the worship of a pagan statue. A few months later, God says, I want you to stand up and proclaim forgiveness and grace and the shining face and the faithfulness of the covenant God to people who aren't faithful. That's amazing. May you know the grace of God. And Aaron's standing there saying, who am I saying this? Who am I representing God? How am I the priest? I should have been executed in Exodus 34. But I'm not. I'm forgiven and I'm called to bless God's people. So the Lord bless you. May he be with you and provide for you what only he can provide. May he keep you and protect you. May he make his face shine upon you. May you know his favor. And may he be gracious to you. The Lord li- may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That is, may he lift his face, may he recognize you, may he take notice of you, may his eyes be upon you. What does it mean to have God's countenance, that's his face, what does it mean to have his face upon you? Well, if you want to understand what it means to have someone's face, God's face upon you, think about the opposite. What does it mean to have his face turn away from you? What does it mean to have him look away from you? What what does it mean to have him set his face away? away from you? What does it mean to have him hide his face from you? It means resistance. It means judgment. It means rejection. Say, may God's face, may you know the smiling face of God, may you know his eyes up on you, and may he give you peace. May you know the shalom of God, which is more than just an absence of conflict or war. It's well-being. May it be well with you in all aspects of your life. So the priests are called to daily remind the people that God is the giver of the blessing, that blessing is the favor of God, that it's the protection of God, that it's the shining face of God, that it's the gracious forgiveness of God, that it's the recognition of God leaning into us, looking over us, watching us with his face toward us in a posture of favor, and that it is the peace of God and peace with God. 
That's what God wants his people to know. And he wants all the people to know this. The location of this blessing is so telling because if you read the rest of the chapter, which you can do later, it is about the Nazarite vow. Here's what I find so interesting. The Nazarite vow was to be taken. It was a temporary vow typically that was taken, but it was, the, it was high commitment. It was abstaining from certain things uh, to demonstrate true devotion to God. And so at the end of the Nazarite vow, you would expect God to say, these guys, the Navy SEALs of Israel, you will be blessed. You know, after he goes through the whole Nazarite vow thing, which is a serious commitment to the Lord, um, it ends in verse 22, and then he's, um, verse 21, and then he says, verse 23, Aaron, you shall bless the people of Israel. The blessing of God will be upon all the people of Israel. And that has to do with, number three, how we receive the blessing. How do you get this blessing? You don't work for it. Aaron didn't work for it. He didn't earn it. He didn't merit. And it's not just the Nazarites. It's not varsity Christians that get a blessing from God and everyone else just hope you make it in. If you clean things up, you're on probation, you may make it to heaven. That is not the picture at all. All of Israel, all of the people of God can know the favor of God. They are, they are to receive, they are to believe, they are to trust. So in your point of need, you go to the Lord who blesses and keeps. You don't go to idols. That's what he's saying. Know the Lord, experience his favor and his grace. You receive it by faith. This is so different than all of the surrounding nations. The surrounding nations, here's how it worked. You went to the God and, and you made some kind of offering to placate the God and get the God on your side. So you need something for your crops, you go to the rain God and you do some whatever. You give something, you sacrifice something, you do some dance, I don't know, whatever you do to placate that God, to get that God on your side. That's what you do. Or you hire the priest who knows the magic, who knows the trickery, who's in with the sun god, who's in with the rain god, whatever it may be, who's in with the fertility god. You find the priest who knows the way to manipulate the god, to get the god on your side to receive favor from the god. All of the nations that they were battled, that is the way the system works. You work the god system. You get the idol, you do something for the idol, you get the idol to bless you. You earn the blessing. Maybe you even require the blessing. And Aaron says, hey, before we're even out there, here's what I want you to know. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord, may the Lord's face shine up on you. May you know the favor of the Lord. God has chosen to bless his people. God has chosen to be with his people. God has chosen to commit to his people, not based upon them, but based upon him. He is faithful to his covenant. And when we see that he is faithful to his covenant, that should provoke and promote followership, worship, love, serving of God. Because if the Lord is the one who blesses me, if the Lord is the one who keeps me, if the Lord is the one who takes pleasure in me and has chosen me, if the Lord is the one who's giving peace, then I want him. I want to live for him. I don't, why would I go to Baal if the creator of the universe has favor on me? Why would we go to Egypt or Assyria asking protection when the one who spoke and everything came into being, when he keeps us and protects us? Why would we? His favor, his blessing, it, 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 it stimulates and inspires trust and love, or at least it's supposed to. 
for the people of God. Now, oftentimes in the Old Testament, blessing is expressed in very tangible ways, often tangible ways that are associated with the land that he gives them. So oftentimes blessing in the Old Testament is associated with fruitfulness in the crops, uh, protection and keeping away from like locusts to come in and eat the crops or something like that, uh, offspring, having children. Um, so it's often very tangible things. But in the New Testament, the blessing of God tends to be spoken of differently, generally speaking. The blessing of God tends to be spoken of as spiritual blessing in which we are connected to Christ. In other words, in the Old Testament, God has one nation of people, and he is working through them, he is providing for them to display his glory to the world so they will know him as he prepares for the Savior to come. Once the Savior, Jesus, comes and pours out the Spirit, we find that blessing is tied to Christ. So, for instance, Ephesians 1.3 says, the Father has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. And so it tends to talk about not so much material or temporal things, though that's there, but it tends to be much more about spiritual shalom, spiritual peace, well-being in our souls and in our hearts. And that comes through Jesus. That comes because Jesus lived a perfect life, and Jesus died on a cross as a substitute for us. Jesus suffered and died in our place. Jesus, on the cross, took our sins, and not only took our sins, but received the penalty, the judgment for our sins. He was cursed and took the, penalty, the payment of the curse, the wrath of God, so that we would be blessed. The substitute means that he was cursed so that we would be blessed. And when Jesus is on the cross, the innocent... Dying for the guilty, the Father's face did not shine upon him for a period of time. He did not know the experience of make the Father's face shine upon me. There was a moment in time where the Father's face was, his countenance was not lifted up towards Jesus in favor. It was the only time ever that the Father turned away from the Son such that the Son screamed out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Father forsakes the Son because of our sin, because he is paying for our sin. He took the judgment. And not only was the Father's face not shining towards the the, the Son in that moment of judgment, but even the sky got dark. Even the atmosphere took on the tone of the moment of what was happening You see, the cross is the exact opposite of this blessing. The cross is the Lord curse you for our sins. The cross is the Lord make his face look away from you such that Jesus says, why have you forsaken me? The cross is he is not giving peace. He is giving judgment. And because of that, we can know blessing and we can know peace. And we can know the kindness of the Lord. And we can know the favor of the Lord. And we live without his wrath poured out upon us because Jesus took it. He is cursed that we may be blessed. The Father looked away that he may look on us with pleasure and delight and forgiveness. Jesus did not experience peace that we may know the peace of God in abundance and for all eternity. So for those who are in Jesus, who believe in Jesus, we now know the blessing of 
God, in terms of our position before God, in terms of our status before God, in terms of the nature of our, at its most foundational level, the nature of our relationship before God, we have this position. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and the Lord give you peace. We know that in Jesus because he knew the exact opposite. That's blessing. That's blessing to know that the Father is not counting my sins against me today because he counted them against his Son. That's blessing. And that's what this passage ultimately points to in Christ. So today, I want to end where I started. We are a blessed church for many reasons. Reasons which we will celebrate shortly. But most of all, we are blessed because of Christ. All blessings come from him and through him and in union with him. The building that we're going to build, God willing, in the coming months, that's starting now, it's a blessing, but it's not the chief blessing. The chief blessing is that Christ's people will gather there and celebrate him and that Christ's people will announce this blessing, will announce this message to those who know the judgment of God and not the blessing of God. Our city is surrounded by people, and we dare not be self-righteous or look down on anyone. Our, our city is surrounded, is filled with people who are seeking blessing and the good life in stuff that's passing away. And they don't know that blessing is found in Jesus, regardless of circumstances. The eternal blessing, the spiritual blessing that can be ours by knowing him. And today is all about the Lord providing us a place and handing us a megaphone and giving us a more central place to be able to declare that message, that good news, that you do not have to pay for your sins if you will repent and believe in Jesus. He's paid for them. And you can be free. And this blessing can be spoken over you. Not as just a liturgical element at the conclusion of a service, but as something that is meaningful. The favor of God. So today is about recognizing the favor of God in Christ and seeking to invest our lives in service of him so that as many people as possible for generations can hear that God is a good God who blesses and forgives his people. If the band would come up, we're going to close in, in an appro- what I trust is an appropriate way for us as a people to close this service for the groundbreaking, and that's with communion. And through this, we are receiving in a very tangible way the bread and the cup, and we are recognizing that blessing, that the ultimate blessing to pursue was won for us by a broken body and by shed blood that it is Jesus who is our blessing and it is Jesus who blesses us and keeps us. By the way, the keeping is there too. It's not just that we become a Christian, but it's that we stay a Christian because of the broken body and shed blood of Jesus. We don't just stay a Christian by, by being a good person. We maintain our uh, relationship with Jesus because he is faithful and he empowers us continually to repent and to follow, and to not look in other places to other gods, but to lean on Him and trust Him. You've been listening to a message from Grace Church. For more information, visit our website or write us at podcast at gracechurchfrisco.org.